the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are called to contend for the faith. Today, here in Exodus chapter 17, we take a look at this spiritual warfare that we are to contend inside of. Join us for today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. And again, hi, welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stand, our pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward, continues with our series simply entitled Arise, Move, and Go. We're in part 17, and it's a fight we cannot avoid. We're looking at Exodus 17, verses 8 through 15, and the destruction of the Amalekites and the opposition of Amalek. Understanding Moses and what goes on and understanding that warfare is a part of worship is what we're looking at today. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Exodus chapter 12 made it very clear. Moses, we're not going that way. And here's what God says. The reason that we're not taking the shortcut is because Israel is not ready for war. Did you hear that? I wish my indicator was working. Let me see if I can show you that. This is very clear. He lays it out to them. He lays it out to them. He says, I'm not going to take you that way because that way is the way of war. I'll leave that right there for the time you'll be able to find it. I'm not going to take you the short route to, 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 to the land of Palestine. Gaza is the land of Palestine. That's where you jump on in over to Hebron. You see Hebron, Beersheba, all of that. That's the promised land. He takes them the long way round because they are not ready for war. You guys got that? They're not ready for war. Subpoints A and B under point number one, Esau, Edom, Amalek, Agag. Does anybody remember Agag? This takes us all the way up in the first Samuel. This is a, it's something like 700 years now, 600 years after Israel's dealt out. This is going to be seen clearly over in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Look at 1 Samuel 15, 1, if you will, with me and notice what's going on. We're going to read verses 1 through 3 and then verses 7 through 9. Samuel also said to Saul, now you remember the first king that Israel asked for? King Saul, I told you he was head and shoulders, the man that all people wanted because he looked good, but he was an empty suit. He was the people's man, but he wasn't God's man. And you and I are dealing with that often in politics. I'll leave that there. Any leader in any position ought to have the character and the qualifications for him to fit that position. He can't simply look good. He can't simply meet all of the external sort of cultural uh, uh, affirmations and biases that a society wants. 
Every leader ought to meet the requisites of the biblical mandates of moral and ethical and spiritual qualifications because every leader is responsible to reflect God in his leadership position. That's every leader anywhere. Did y'all hear what I just said? A man or a woman is no good for you if they are wicked by nature. If they're unrighteous by nature, if they're criminal by nature, if they're narcissistic by nature, am I describing some of our presidents? Wicked, criminal, narcissistic. Because they will use their power for their own glory and subordinate you as God said would happen with Israel when they asked for a king. And that's exactly what Saul did. God says in the book of Hosea, he raised up Saul in his wrath. Not in his mercy. And he took him out in his anger, not in his kindness. God's man was David, a man after God's own heart. Not perfect by any stretch, but David didn't do what Saul did to the people of God. Saul brought all kind of reproach on the people of God. And Saul did to the people of God what Samuel said kings will do, turn you into slaves. That's what you are today. See, kings of righteousness are designed to liberate you so you can be the best that, is, that God has called you to be. Monarchies and, 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 and totalitarian systems turn you into slaves. The true and the living God came to liberate you, but you're not totally liberated. You are his servant. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse two and three. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. That's our account. You notice God does not forget when his enemies come after his people. How that he laid wait for him in the what? When he came up from Egypt. You can make a correlation between our, our, what our, our native texts. Our, our founding text in this and understand that Amalek was laying wait for them. That wasn't kind of an arbitrary response. That was laying wait. Your enemy lays wait. He lays wait because he sees you advancing towards God's will. And his goal is to stop you. Amalek laid wait. I'm going to show you the image in a moment. He was up on the hill. He could see them coming. And God means for the world to see his people coming. You're going to see that as we close out our message. Give me some time. And the text says, now go and smite Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. But slay both men and women, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass. Do you see it? And notice what God said. Exercise what is called the, the law of the curse, the, the law of prohibition from taking spoils, taking goods, don't let anything live in this nation. This here is a total genocide. Y'all got that? Only person that can do that righteously is God. Y'all can argue with him all you want. See, God knows what a people group will be if you let him flourish and grow. Do you understand that? He knows what a people group will be. He says, now you, 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 you can't spare them. If you spare them, it's going to be a problem. Guess what King Saul did? Spared them. And that thing remained a problem all the way to King to Queen Esther, when her uncle had to deal with that fool Haman, who was a grandson of King Agag, who was the grandson of Amalek. Am I making some sense? 
I'm going to make some application in a minute. But there are things in your life and mine that we got to make sure we deal with, because if that root stays there, it's going to grow up again. And this is true in our country. This is true in our country. This is why you got so much controversial going on in some of my African brothers countries for dealing with policies in a different way than we're dealing with them in America. That's another conversation. They said, we're looking over at America and we see America tolerating too many things. No, we're not going to go that way. Now the whole of the United Nations want to circle around my African brothers and sisters and call them crazy and out of step and they're going to force them to get in line. There's a deep theological implication there that I can't talk about right now because it requires the preparation of your heart and mind in a way that makes sure that you don't lapse into legalism and self-righteousness. This is why we're not talking about it right now. Because too many people have a shallow approach to this whole matter. And it's designed by the enemy of the media that I'm going to talk about in a minute to keep us fighting. Did y'all hear what I just stated? But I'm going to tell you, there is a deep, deep philosophical grounds upon which Uganda and several of the other states are dealing with this differently than America. And it's not a simple model conceptual answer. Christians got to start thinking deeper. Otherwise, all you're going to do is argue and fall right into the trap. We call this the punk cart trap, trap of politics. You're arguing left and right and still going into the cave of slavery. That's the goal of the enemy to keep you arguing instead of helping you rise above it all and get a bird's eye view of the puppet masters controlling the whole thing. Now, your Bible allows you to have a bird's eye view. But you got to take your Bible seriously because everything in my world since I was a child has tried to tell me the Bible is not relevant. It's not valid. It's not accurate. It's not spiritual. It's not powerful. It won't work. You need another mythos. And I have discovered that they are a lie from absolute hell. I've been made to go down into the cave. I've been made to go down into the rabbit hole of history and deal with so many philosophies that have entrenched themselves and embedded themselves in our culture and the nomenclature of our political systems. And I realize they've been lying all along about the true and the living God. And people are believing it. Go and smite them utterly. Now notice what it says over in uh, verse... um, 13. Notice what he says over in verse 13 as he's dealing with this. Um, sorry, sorry, start at verse 7 through 9. I want to start at 7 and go through 9. Notice what is said between Samuel and, and uh, Saul. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah unto thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. Well done. Verse 8. And he took Agog, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Do you see it? He kept the head of the snake. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, watch this, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatling, and of the lambs. And all that was good in their sight. Obviously, because God said nothing was good. You see how we're leaning on our own understanding? And now what we're doing is vetoing God. To have it our way. I'm telling you, it's contemporary to where we are today. 
It's contemporary. So listen to what he says. And would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuge that they what? See, God was teaching them a lesson too. I'm going to be here way too long. He was teaching them a lesson too. You don't get to prejudice your own biases over God's assessment of what needs to be dealt with, when, how, and why, and the scope of it. You just don't get to get emotional about it. You don't get to actually veto your opinion and now reconstruct what is a value system to you over against God's value system. Am I making some sense? You just don't get to do it. You may not like it, but you still have to submit to the crown rights of God when he says do a thing a certain way with a certain scope because the outcome will be better for you and for your children. See, look, the reason for which God was telling King Saul to do it is because he didn't want the children of Israel three generations from now to have to deal with it, which is what my country is dealing with right now. We have imposed upon my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-grandchildren hell. They are already in the policies, embedded in the policies. Our grandchildren have to deal with the unraveling of our country because it has bought into globalism. I'm sorry, mom and daddy, you must know that you may go on and die and go on to glory, but your kids are going to have to put up with a world that is so messed up because of the policies that we allow to advance in Washington. Just like I said, I'm sure if my grandparents could see where we are today, they would have done a better job. I'm sure they would have done a better job to shore up us in the way of wisdom and maturity so that we can navigate our responsibility and our generation better than they did. And it's on us right now. I'm just telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, when I look around at my community, we're so messed up. It's not even funny. I'm I'm very sad for my community. We're not ready to fight this battle, but this is a battle you cannot avoid. Now, I need to go back to our text. Needless to say, my brother Samuel is the last of the Old Testament prophets, first of the priests. Old man Samuel said, bring Agag here. He grabbed Agag by the back of his neck. Give me an ax. Let me show you, Israel, how to put an end to sin. If you don't put it into sin, it'll rise up and take authority over you again. That's the application spiritually. We're not talking about killing people or fighting people. We're not into that as Christians. But what we must kill is sin. It must die if we're going to live. Mortify the deeds of the flesh so that you may live. Did that application make some sense? It's so very important then. Going back to our first point so we can look at our second subpoint. The struggle of Jacob and Esau. Y'all got that? The struggle of Jacob and Esau. Why am I speaking about this? Because when God called Israel out of Egypt, he gave them little hints of who they were. Um, Because God is the one that gives us our identity markers. Again, we'll talk about that next week. You don't get to just say who you are and what you is. You don't get to say, I'm is this. I'm is that. And on any other day, I'm is something else. No, you is what God made you is. All the other arbitrary choices you and I are making are facsimiles of our own ignorance, naivete, are again fantasies that we erect because we want to pretend that we're gods. 
Did that make some sense? Right. So like if you can define who you are, then you're God. If you can say, I made myself. How'd you get here, sir? I just came into existence. I spoke myself into existence. I said, me, let it be. And here I am. I'm God. I can shapeshift myself into any form, any entity, anything I want to be. I am God. This is what we're playing with. I'm giving it to you in a very facetious and humorous way. This is what you're dealing with. The insanity of playing God. That's what you're dealing with. This is what you're dealing with. The struggle of Jacob and Esau. Listen to what God says in Exodus 4, 22 and 23. Here's what he says. Exodus 4, 22 and 23. Setting you up for something. Got a little time. Setting you up for something. Listen to what he says. And you shall say to Pharaoh, this is God talking to Moses to talk to Pharaoh. Now watch how God describes Israel. Listen to it. And you shall say to Pharaoh, thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son. Did you get that? My firstborn. Did you get that? Right. So let me just teach you right quick and keep going for time's sake. God viewed that 1.3 million people as his son, his prodigy, because he actually has a prototype of the prodigy in who? Jesus. And Israel is a model of Jesus and God means business for his son to be liberated. In fact, it's the pattern of his son coming out of Egypt that Jesus fulfilled in Matthew 2 when he went down to Egypt running from Herod until Herod died. And then God called Jesus, Mary and Joseph out of Egypt back to his purpose. Did he not? And every one of us, if we're a child of God, guess what? We are sons and daughters of God and we are part of the firstborn. Do you know that? You and I are the first fruits of everything that God is doing in his new creation paradigm. I'm a son of God. Are you? That's exactly. I am part of him who is the firstborn. He is called the firstborn of many brethren. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you get your identity right, now you can get your role right. You cannot get your roles right if you don't get your identity right. This is why marriages are collapsing everywhere. And the ones that are coming won't ever make it. Can you imagine, I shouldn't say this, but I'll just toss it out because I got you. Can you imagine as a human being, if you are ship shifting into all kinds of genders, whenever you want to, and you marry another, another ship shaper, ship shaper. Yeah, I got two ship shaping people. And y'all come together in holy matrimony. You can't use the term him and her, he and she, because y'all didn't ship shifted y'all way into a covenant that requires the expansion of every mode of pronouns that they're buying into today. In the sight of God, I now pronounce you 175 pronouns married to 175 program, pronouns. Did that come home? Child of God, did he come home? Let me help you understand how the ungodly and the irrational and the illogical likes to use God whenever they want to. Have y'all figured that out yet? I'm teaching some of you uh, the fallacy of wrong logic or what we call the equivocating principle of logic. Whenever you want a truth to work in your behalf, then you own it. 
And then five minutes after that truth has worked in your behalf, you abandon it again. So you'll get folks coming up to the altar, calling themselves him and her. In order to make it functionally two people getting married. But the him and her are not committed to the ontological reality of the him and her. So as soon as the paperwork is signed, they go back to spreading out the pronouns. Now, if you're talking about jacking up your kids, that's how you jack your kids up. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is where we are today. So when God says Israel is my firstborn, may I tell you, it means that God is already telling Israel, you don't get to determine your identity. I am the one that determines who you are and therefore your roles. See, Jehovah is the husband of Israel as the bride. That firstborn paradigm means that Israel had the privilege of being the nation to show the whole world what it means to have a right relationship with God. But it's a fight. Is it a fight? It's a fight. I think y'all got that. It's a fight that we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. It's a real fight that we're dealing with. So that's why I wanted to set that forth. The many passages that can underscore this, the conflict between Jacob and Esau is the conflict here now uh, iterated in our text. It's a conflict between the flesh and the what? And the spirit. It's a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Your Bible tells you the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit because the two can never operate in agreement. One has to be subordinated under the other. Did that make some sense? If you are going to be able to operate in the paradoxical nature of your human nature and your divine nature or your supernatural nature, your supernatural nature has to bring and subsume your natural nature underneath itself. Did that make some sense? Because if the other one rules, then now you're making God a liar. And at that point, you know what God has to do. I've already told you, if you and I want to walk in the flesh, he's going to take you on out. If you want to walk in the spirit, then he can give you the capacity to mature and walk in the dominion that he's calling you to. But you got to be ready for a fight. That's what our text is teaching. Let's go to where got more to talk about. Thank you for listening. The most formidable conflict zone in our life will always be our flesh. The most formidable conflict in all of our life will always be our flesh. I can talk about all kind of enemies and the church will shout and scream and holler amen until I say you got to deal with your fallen nature. Then all of a sudden people want to have an argument with you. But I'm here to, here to tell you the devil is concerned with but one thing that your fallen nature continues to have freedom to run because it will naturally rebel against God. It will raise up before you all kinds of lovers to help you rebel against the true and the living God until God has to call your number and check you out of this world. Let me keep going. Point number three in our outline. A lot more to say. The understanding of Moses. I love this. The understanding of Moses. Look at verse verse eight in our text. This is such a beautiful thing. Some things to learn. So what we discovered in verse eight is that Amalek lay in wait. And he's the one that picked this fight, didn't he? And Moses said unto Joshua, choose out men. Joshua, choose out men and go and fight with Amalek. Do you see it? Tomorrow I will stand upon the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Point number two, the understanding of Moses. The opposition of Amalek is going to be now challenged by the understanding of Moses. You've got two leaders at battle here, do we not? 
Do not forget the vertical lens, but let's operate at the horizontal level right now. Is Moses learning something about his walk with God now? Is Moses learning? See, we're all got to be learning. Leaders and students, pastors, elders, and parishioners, we all got to be learning. And you should be able to pick up when your leaders are learning. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.